right? That was yeah, that was good. Sweet, cool. It's it's better than last. It's definitely better than last week. Yeah, perfect. All right, we're on. So Blow Nose number two, Craig. Good morning. Success of last week. Yeah, I backing che- up. I haven't, I haven't checked the numbers yet, but um, I think there was probably two, maybe three people. Watch yeah. one subscriber. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, so what do we talk about this week, Craig? Uh, so we thought we'd talk about something that uh, we both hold, I suppose, pretty closely in regards to with uh, what we implement ourselves, um, but then also something that we try to uh, get our patients to take on board um, is strength training um, and the kind of numerous benefits for it, of it, I should say. Um, we already know that strength training can have performance benefits, um, but it can actually have pretty significant injury reduction benefits also. Um, and then also benefits for quality of life as well. So there's a few studies we'll touch on today, I think. Definitely. I mean, even if we just kind of look at the world, like the physical activity guidelines, you kind of look at the strength training as part of that. And often when we ask people in our consults and things, we've got a little section in our in our initial interview or consultation where it's like, are you meeting the physical activity guidelines? And a lot of the time people might be active and getting some low-level aerobic training. A lot of them miss out on the strength training kind of side and therefore they miss out on a lot of the strength training benefits, which we see is improved function, improved musculoskeletal health. And particularly for like certain populations, I think, and not just our sports people, but definitely for our, our elderly population and particularly our female uh, population as well. There's so many benefits as they progress through life to get into a, a regular strength training routine. Um, so we've got a paper, don't we, today? Or Yeah, there's a little uh, paper that we can kind of touch on a little bit. Um, so it was published in 2018 in the British Journal of Sports Med, which is a pretty uh, renowned um, medical journal. Um, pretty good quality evidence there usually. Um, so it was a meta-analysis. Um, essentially what that is, um, they get a number of uh, randomized control trials. So basically trials where variables are as controlled as they can. They test one intervention um, and then see the effect of it while trying to minimize for the impact of other variables as best they can. What the meta-analysis does, it then combines a number of these randomized controlled trials together to almost try to get the average effect of things, um, I suppose, in simple terms. Um, so this one combined six studies. Um, it had a total of, I think, a bit over 7,000 participants, 7,739 to be exact. Um, and they range from about 12 to 40. Um, essentially, it looked at the strengthening intervention um, and its effect on injury risk. Um, so some pretty positive results with it. Um, so they found that strength training programs as a whole reduced the likelihood of injury by 66%. Um, and they also found that with 95% certainty. Um, the other interesting things that came out of it were the longer the program, um, the more favorable the results. So essentially consistency over time provides the greatest results. Um, and that's probably something we see clinically as well. Like we see the people who really kind of get in a good routine, uh, stick to it, gradually progress things, are the ones who really get the benefits of, uh, I suppose, the outcomes that they're after. Where sometimes you see like people doing like a yo-yo or kind of getting on a bit of a roller coaster where they'll 
kind of really go hard for three, four weeks and then they drop off and then they spike and then they're down. And they're the ones that sometimes encounter a few more troubles than the people who just take that consistency, a consistent approach, build habits over time. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's one of those things where we talk about a lot, especially in our sports population, is kind of the the Tim Gabbett work, the kind of acute to chronic workload sort of stuff. And um, I think what you see is the people that are consistent over time, and I've got a few clients in mind that they're kind of, they're older kind of clients that have been doing things for a long time and they're just in that habit where they might be kind of running a couple of times a week and then doing a couple of body weight or strength-based sessions in the gym. And they're really fit and healthy. And I think if you looked at them from a biological age point of view, they'd be really quite... Um, quite healthy in a sense that it doesn't they mismatch for their chronological age but we talk about the the chronic workload as your kind of fitness and if you can be consistent over time you can build the body to be so much more robust and it can tolerate more it can take more volume of kind of work but what we often find it's that kind of drop off in in doing some intervention or training and then the the comeback or the motivation comes and New Year rolls around, it's after Easter or whatever it is, or COVID hits and it's like, I'm going to start running. That's when we see those spikes in kind of, um, I guess, workload. And that's where we often see these kind of injuries come on, um, not traumatic uh, injuries, but probably more insidious, gradual injuries that uh, people present with just because they kind of don't maintain a kind of consistent approach. Mm. And I think definitely, and I think one of the things in this study was that um, the programs had an average of eight months. So yeah. essentially it's creating almost like a lifestyle to get yeah. a lot of those really nice benefits. Um, so essentially what we're looking for in the early phases of things, as much as anything um, with some of our clients in the clinic, it's just creating habits to begin with. Um, yeah. So any one particular session isn't really the most important session in the world. It's more when you accumulate a number of those sessions that you're actually getting the results. So um, that's often what we're looking for to begin with and sometimes getting that uh, that slow start to things and then building things up allows our body to adapt and recover um, rather than having those huge spikes in workloads that you're talking about where sometimes the body just it becomes too much and then you start to get these aches and pains or you might get a bit sick getting uh, run down and things like that, which mm -hmm. cause you to kind of drop off. So it is just like that gradual consistency that really, I suppose, from a clinical perspective, we see it, but then from a research point of view as well, it also seconds that uh, where you get those benefits. Well, like, I, I guess if you kind of look at a lot of the stuff that we we kind of do in the clinic, a lot of, a lot of our stuff that we do is just strength-based. We kind of we work out, our, our approach to it is to work out where a person's functional level is, where they're, where they're having trouble, what they want to get back to in, in terms of their everyday life. Do they want to get back to kind of just playing with the kids, grandkids, getting back to sport, whatever it is. And kind of what we do, I think, quite well in the clinic is we test them for their current functional like capacity level, whether it's kind of low limb testing, upper limb testing, or it's total body testing. And we use that baseline data to map out a plan to get them to where they want to be. So a lot of our kind of, a lot of our structure in our rehab is really about getting people to be consistent and apply the, like, the strength training principles to get better functional capacity so that their bodies can be, we, we, I keep saying robust because I think um, 
there's an element of people thinking that the body's fragile and i think we touched on it last week as well but if you're consistent over time the body can do amazing things and can tolerate uh, quite heavy loads but you've got to be able to build that over time and the concept of like almost financial investing plays across to our bodies and our health and i think if you can be consistent over time the, the benefits that you gain uh, are going to compound uh, with the with the more time that you kind of spend uh, actually developing those habits and those those kind of I guess from a strength training point of view you're going to keep yourself as healthy and as uh, as strong and as robust as you can uh, moving down the track in life. So um, going back to kind of what we do in the clinic, I think there's a few populations that like we see particularly with the hip and knee stuff that we do um, for more of our kind of 50 plus sort of age group, you see a lot of them kind of develop hip pain or restriction or decreased functional capacity, but a lot of them have just sort of dropped off in, in any real kind of challenging strength regime or any real physical activity regime. And they present with pain and dysfunction um, as a result or as part of that. And one of the big things that we look at, even with the GP um, and the clinical guidelines for hip and knee OA, is that you need kind of to lose weight, you need to strength train, and you need to kind of get educated around what's actually happening with, with your condition. Because if, if you can kind of take those people and get them strong, what we see clinically and when we take our, like, our outcome measures with our hip and knee guys, we see crazy results in the space of six weeks. Well, I say crazy, but we see like results that like change dramatically, like 200% change in kind of functional testing. It's just amazing. And then how that correlates to their, their actual day-to-day -day life and their quality of life and their function. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the hip and knee stuff, what you're seeing? Because I know you're running a lot of that. Yeah, you're pretty much on the money. Like we often, so we run a hip and knee program. Um, as a bit of a background it's it's an individualized program where we do a one-on-one -on -one assessment to begin with often with people that have had numerous troubles for long periods of time they may have seen kind of different practitioners often a lot of them have seen uh specialists as well some of them have been offered kind of like hip knee replacement different surgeries and some of them have also had some of those surgeries um so Often these issues are fairly ingrained, um, but what we tend to see and what we usually do, we tend to do a structural uh, assessment to begin with, um, just to ensure that we're kind of happy with everything from that perspective. If we are, then we want to go, okay, whereabouts is this person currently operating? Um, what's their level? Um, what is their body able to withstand? What causes them pain? And then we look at um, so kind of where that is and then what are the things that they want to be doing at this point in time? Um, mm -hmm. And often we see this like mismatch or this discrepancy um, because sometimes as a result of pain, people tend to do less and less because pain is obviously not a very pleasant experience. Um, so people tend to try to avoid it, which from a strength perspective leads to atrophy of muscles, leads to weakness, leads to kind of like lowered coordination and things like mm -hmm. that. So suddenly what you're seeing after longer periods of pain is that kind of discrepancy or mismatch that we're talking about becomes greater and greater. So the tissue and body's ability to withstand it all is down here, but what yeah. they're trying to do is up here. So the approach that we take and 
sounds pretty simple, um, but sometimes it's a bit easier said than done. But if we get it right, what we look at doing is building up that capacity. So suddenly you've almost got a little bit left over in between. Then you're able to do all those things that you mentioned before, kind of uh, getting down, playing with the grandkids, um, getting out and going for walks, um, playing golf. Um, suddenly you can do all of those things and you've got a little bit left in the tank and you actually feel good doing it, you enjoy it, you tend to do more. And, um, yeah, it can be kind of like life-changing for some of them as well. 100%. I think the, the mismatch, like, like the mismatch analogy is just, I think, hits the nail on the head in the sense of like you have kind of people come in and they might get, let, let's take the knee, for example. It doesn't have to be an elderly problem. It could be someone with like some anterior knee pain, some so patellofemoral stuff going on and, you kind of look at how they, what they're doing in their day to day, and they might have trouble with stairs. And then you go and test them, like in a, a single leg kind of step down or something like that. And they've got no eccentric control. And you kind of then go and go, well, if we can, if we can improve this in clinically in the gym or whatever it is, and get them doing it over time, educate them around like why and how it's an important thing to do. You see them start to 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 change in their in their actual capacity, and then they can actually start to to navigate stairs with load and things. But I I, I think you find people get probably a little bit scared, and it, it all depends on their experience. It all depends on what they've been told, their history, what their kind of uh, psychosocial profile is like, and who they've seen as a health. What they've been told in the past. But we're, we're squatting every day. We're doing kind of a deadlift movement to pick stuff off the floor. We're stepping up. We're walking upstairs with groceries. Like our weight training, our strength training that we do is really about being ready and prepared for life. And people often get scared when you kind of give them maybe four kilo weights in their, in their hands and you're asking them to do a, a step up and they're like, oh, I can't do that. My knees sort of, my knees are no good or my hips no good, whatever it is. But then if you kind of sit down with them and go, well, look at what you're doing every day. You've got 35 stairs at home that you've got to navigate. You've got to carry shopping. You've got to carry baby, whatever you've got to do. You've got to build the body to the demands of life or sport, whatever it is. So like if if someone wants to be playing high level cutting sports like AFL, soccer or, or rugby league, if they're coming off the back of, say, a surgery, their rehabilitation needs to map towards that. And if it doesn't, if it falls short and they kind of just said, someone's telling them, just go and do some like some glute work, go and do some some gym work. And they don't really have a, a roadmap to, all right, I need to be getting up to plyometrics. I need to be doing change of direction work. I need to be heavy strength training and things. You need that, that people need that guidance, but they need to they need to navigate that mismatch from like, injury or pain or surgery or whatever it is to whatever demand they have uh, in their their goals. Is it sport? Is it life? Whatever it is. And our job, I think, comes is basically just being a, a Google Maps for people in terms of their life or their sport or whatever they want to kind of get to. We, we need to figure out what their destination is, where they are, and then we've got to kind of help them navigate to that, that destination by saying, hey, I think we need to pick up more of this this area we need to we need to be testing retesting and often i think you'll see people will kind of have flare-ups and we we kind of need to be pushing people to their limits or to the edge of their capacity so that we can allow adaptation and kind of tissues to uh, improve and tolerate more 
more load. And especially if they want to be doing those higher level things and there is a mismatch. I think I, I like that mismatch analogy um, yeah. for people. And I think that works well when you actually explain to people, you're like, this is where you want to be on a kind of ladder of progression. This is probably where we are. We just need to make those steps to get there. Yeah, I think um, you're 100% right. And it's one of those one of those things, if we can guide people in the right direction, when things um, say they do have a flare up of things, if we go, oh no, this is fine. We just kind of tinker with things, get them back on track. Then over the long term, you just, it's almost like you were talking about before, just getting like that compounding of, of results. So exactly, it's kind of nice when you, when you see that occur, because yeah, you do see some people to begin with and where they're at is their capacity is almost below their ability to withstand just gravity and getting up and down stairs mm. and up and down from chairs um, when they do want to be doing things like carrying shopping, grandkids, or um, even doing kind of weights at the gym. But at this point in time, that's where their capacity is. And then if yeah. we can build that up, and um, it's sometimes the good and the bad thing about there's, I suppose, pros and cons of our current medical kind of system where scanning to find out about pathologies and things like that is so prevalent, it can be good because it gives us a lot more information. But then there's also the mm -hmm. downside where sometimes you do get some arthritic change or a few various kind of tissue pathologies um, or things present on scans that suddenly cop all the blame. So rather yeah. than the fact that someone's got a, a right knee that might be 50% weaker than the other side, um, their control's significantly reduced, um, and basically it's just functioning at a quite a low level, suddenly all of the emphasis gets uh, put on a little bit of uh, some joint changes, so some arthritic changes, and mm. they get told because you've got arthritis, that's why this is all occurring. Um, yeah. When often we see that, yeah, that arthritis might be present, but it's only symptomatic um, or the knee's only symptomatic as a whole because the capacity is so far down in regards to where it uh, needs to be. Um, yeah. So, and if you kind of look at sorry, sorry, Craig, if you kind of look at then those other studies that have been done, that like if you look at those asymptomatic people, age match that might have their scan as well, and they come up with the same sort of pathologies on on MRI imaging or whatever it is, they don't necessarily have pain or any kind of symptoms, but they've got similar presentation on MRI. So again, probably something we'll touch on in the future is that the scans aren't kind of definitive for your pain because if we dive into the pain stuff we know that pain doesn't mean damage or tissue injury as such because pain is a, a multifactorial experience for different and will present differently in different people probably for another yeah, <laughs> another, yeah exactly another that, couple of hours for, for the pain science stuff 100 percent. we could go down that uh rabbit hole but i suppose like you do see that unfortunately where Scans are really beneficial and we use them yeah. kind of a lot in the clinic. But if you just look at the scan independent of the person in front of you, then that's not necessarily kind of your answer. So you need to kind of yeah. put them together, find out what's relevant, find out, I suppose, what that means for that particular person, um, exactly. which um, sometimes doesn't always happen where suddenly they've just got a label on things. Yeah. And I think um, like if you look at the demands of life, if someone's trying to run, or let's take running as an example if we're looking at a younger population and they don't have uh, any real quad 
like or knee extension endurance knee extension power they don't have the the strength in their their knee extensors if they're trying to run and deal with the ground reaction forces um, that are coming back at them and let's say they're operating on a a, a knee that's the symptomatic knee or it's a post-op knee or whatever it is and it's sort of significantly down in its testing of you know, its functional testing or its strength testing then what you're going to find is a, a knee that's trying to deal with the forces of the ground reaction like the ground reaction forces as you start to increase your impact load they're going to see a knee trying to tolerate those loads that just isn't going to do it as well as the other side if the other side's so much better and you you need a we kind of have a few baseline measures and tests that we say okay you're now ready we foresee that you're ready to run but we're going to monitor like your progression and your return to run program because we need to to know if this injured area or this kind of post-op kind of um limb is ready to kind of tolerate those forces and we kind of monitor their their uh, response and have a look at kind of how the knee responds but you need to have a baseline of dealing with life and we've talked about this a lot uh, uh, quite a bit is that we we need to have a baseline for dealing with the demands of of life and i think if you i think you mentioned last week the the get up kind of assessment or even something as simple in our elderly population as the ability to stand from a chair really predicts independence because if you can't sit to stand and get up um, independently then you need to depend on someone for getting out of a chair getting out off the toilet and likely getting out of bed and things like that so you on a real end stage with the elderly pops what you find when we go back into the hospital stuff is can they sit to stand independently can they navigate stairs independently are they independent in their bed mobility um, can they transfer independently and if they're not they're not ready to be discharged home um, if they don't have the care or support so you've kind of got if we bring it back down to kind of just a the 12 to 40 years old uh, strength training kind of uh study that we're looking at here is that we need to have a baseline of strength and if you've got a baseline of strength you can really decrease um, your injury risk which is especially in our sports pop and um, our people that are playing soccer or netball on the weekend if you're not strength training during the week um, to some capacity you're more likely to be injured um, but if you start you can drop it by two-thirds or whatever the the studies sort of suggesting two-thirds in terms of your 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 injuries it's uh for a for a return on your investment it's huge kind of when you take into account the psychological factors the financial factors the time off work whatever it is that a major injury um uh has on a person the return on your investment for probably two half an hour to 40 minute strength training sessions per week um is huge so I think one of our tasks and what we kind of said before is that we need to really be health promoters and I can't, this is what kind of this is all about is getting kind of evidence and information education out there that, hey, how are we going to better, how, how are we going to help you better yourself? Yep, definitely. And I think um, that's pretty well said because sometimes injury prevention isn't kind of like the uh, thing that people think about. Everyone's like, uh it's not going to happen to me until it does. Um, yeah. So I suppose the big part of a lot of this as well from like a sports side of things um, is most of it's performance enhancement. So where we spoke before about capacity, it's almost mm. the same, but how it applies to sport. So often the intention of these programs is 
performance enhancement, which subsequently reduces the chance of your injury risk. So it's kind of like a, a two-pronged sword. And yeah. like you were saying about the kind of two sessions per week, the research has shown that you don't have to be kind of pushing weights every single day to have an effect. It's actually kind of two sessions a week um, is kind of like a, a nice dosage that's shown time and time again to hover those results. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we do know there's a lot of people out there who are going to the gym isn't necessarily their thing. Um, there's plenty of things that you can be doing at home from a body weight perspective. Um, yeah, exactly. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I suppose, that going to the gym that like bodybuilding approach um that kind of gives you the results often it's um kind of body weight exercises functional movements um things along those lines that give you the greatest benefits to it so um, you can yeah exactly you can change you can change the demand on the tissues or the kind of you can have the strength training effect by just changing the variables like tempo having a look at how much kind of body weight you're actually moving as well i saw a study or something i got saw something posted um in one of the ep groups that i'm in is about the body weight percentages in terms of the push-up mm. and the higher the feet go the increase so they, they estimate around 60 percent of body weight a normal push-up and then i think it was up to about a 60 centimeter box with the feet um elevated got you to about 85 percent of your body weight mm. so i mean for me, who's pushing kind of 92 to 95 kilos, <laughs> depending on the uh, the time of year, like <laughs> you, you're moving some significant weight, and I, I can't remember the uh, I, I can't remember the last time I've, I've used more kind of body weight stuff than um, getting under the bench and things at the moment. But um, yeah, there, there's ways to. I think the moral of the story is, and I think we've talked about it a lot, is you don't need you don't need a huge amount of equipment like you can you can structure your programming based on what you've got available to you and you've got nothing available to you then how can we challenge you and how can we progressively overload you by simply going changing the variables of um tempo changing the variables of kind of how you're setting up double leg versus single leg slowing tempo down getting more time under tension we can actually uh, induce a strength training effect just by playing around with those variables you don't necessarily need to have access to a gym although it's, it'd be good if you can um but yeah you, people can people can get some strength training done no matter where they are it yeah it really comes down to how you do it that's it often just like it's not as uh it doesn't sound as high tech but um just like simplicity minimalism like if you just do things consistently do things that are challenging and they can be body weight exercises then you're going to get basically all the effects of someone who who does have a gym available to them um obviously there's different things that you'll be doing but if you kind of structure it the right way uh do it well and do it often then yeah. pretty good uh benefits are shown so i know you've got uh, someone in a couple of minutes so one thing from last week, I've, I I kind of rewatched our thing. I was like, all right, I probably should have probably concluded, uh, recapped a little bit better. And I kind of I posted that push up, um, that carous that swipe through uh, last week. And I kind of think what we'll do for most of these sessions is just have our takeaways at the end. So, yep. what are our takeaways for this uh, flow nose number two strength training, Craig? Um, so a couple of things. Um, get out there, do some strength training. Um, particularly with COVID situation and sport off for the time being, it's probably a nice chance to focus on it. Um, yeah. Consistency is key. 
Um, and then it's also been shown to be really safe. So in the study that we spoke about before with over 700 participants, um, there was basically no adverse effects throughout the program. So um, don't be concerned that you're going to kind of damage things or injure something. Um, if it's implemented in the right way, then that shouldn't necessarily be a concern. Yeah. Get some get some advice if you don't have no idea on technique and how to program and things like that. But a, a generally a safe kind of modality to, to try. But if you're a complete kind of new to the situation, then just kind of get your advice before you start. I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely. That's it. Um, anything else there? Um, yeah, the main things I think, um, and sometimes. Sometimes we do see a bit of like paralysis by analysis where yeah. kind of thinking about it, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And then it kind of falls off um, the back of the bandwagon and it's just gone. So the biggest thing is I suppose now is as good a time to start as ever. So get out there. Don't expect uh, to be kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger day one. Um, just work on creating the habits initially, build into it. It's not about feeling like as sore as you possibly can or anything like that. It's more about being smart over time and just consistent over time. I guess we can talk about kind of the strength training principles and how to approach it in another one. Um, I, the big things from my end as well, just to, to recap on your stuff, is compound your health. So yep. strength training forms part of that, and we know from the activity guidelines, again, that across the board, we bar any kind of like medical contraindication, people should be strength training as part of their their kind of healthy lifestyle. Um, twice a week is suggested. Uh, depending on how you split and what your goals are, will change that. Um, I I think we just yeah can get consistent strength train. It'll help to compound and have a better get your your health uh, improved, and then. Um, no, that's that's it. I can't remember where I was going. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way to end it. Come right, I'll, I'll let you go. I looked at my watch again. I did it last week in the video. I don't have <laughs> the it on. Invisible so watch. It's ten past. All right, mate. Um, I'll catch you soon. Close nose number two. See you guys. Thanks, Craig. All right. Done. Cool. Perfect.